Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today this will be an in-the-weeds episode. So we are going to be talking about what is Safari 16.4. There's been a bunch of buzz on Twitter about this and another, you know, the apocalypse is coming type of feelings about it. So I'm going to go through exactly what it is, break down the technical details of what type of tracking integrations does it impact, and ultimately the question that I'm getting personally from various customers, how does it impact Elevar and Elevar's customers? So I'll start there since that should be the shortest part of this. If we just look at all of our LOR customers that are using our server-side tracking, 88%, it's probably getting closer to 90% at this point, are using what we have called historically the last couple of years, our fully managed server-side tracking. Anyone who is utilizing that server-side tracking with LOR is not impacted. The reason why you are not impacted is because that particular type of tracking that we're doing, we are not in the game of trying to extend cookies and having to work around different WebKit updates, browser updates, etc. So you might be thinking, well, what's the point of Elevar if you're not trying to extend cookies? We look at the process of extending a user's session. So we focus on extending recognition of returning users or sessions for each destination. So to break that down, it's, hey, we have Thomas, our VP of engineering. If he visits the site five times over a span of 30, 60, 90, 120 days, we want to recognize Thomas on every returning visit without having to rely on cookies. And that's what we do with our fully managed integration. And we use a combination of what Shopify provides us to allow us the ability to do that, as well as other fingerprinting mechanisms. So that's the lowdown on that 88% of the fully managed tracking within Elevar. And by the way, that is all consent aware. Every integration with Elevar is consent aware for both client side and server side tracking. So if anyone, any user on a customer site is opting out or doesn't opt in, we're not collecting, sending anything to any of the destinations that might be configured. And a destination would be your Facebook conversion API, Google Analytics, et cetera. The 12% of customers that are using their own GTM server side container that will potentially be impacted or could potentially be impacted by this Safari. It's a WebKit change, but WebKit is the open source browser that Safari uses. You could be, notice how I said could, you could be impacted by this change. And the reason for that is when you are utilizing a server-side Google Tag Manager container, you just, if we were to go through the old Elevar docs when we first launched this three years ago, you'd create your GTM server-side container, it would link you over, send you over to Google App Engine or Google Cloud. You'd have to create a subdomain and add four A records and four quad A records. And then you'd have your subdomain that would essentially be your GTM server-side container endpoint where you could send data to. And that's where ultimately we're having you manage some of your server-side integrations to send data to the Facebook Cappy, Google Analytics, etc. If you're using that GTM server-side container to extend cookies, so if you're trying to use the GTM service I container to overwrite the 24-hour or 7-day expiration that WebKit or other browsers are enforcing, that will no longer work. But if you weren't doing that, then it's not a significant impact for you. 
So that's a quick rundown on the GTM server-side container versus LLVAR fully managed and how that may impact you as an LLVAR customer. Let's go to the what is this change. So if you are in the world of technical analytics, you know Simo and he has a really good post on LinkedIn that others were sharing and sending to me. Customers, non-customers, just asking for opinion and it's in a similar newsletter. So there'll be a link to that if you want to go through his overview and his own technical explanation behind it. But essentially, I'm just going to talk through the process of this cat and mouse game that's happening, that's been happening for a long time with cookies and just tracking in general. So you have MarTech vendors, so think ad platforms, DSPs, so any marketing channel that you are implementing or trying to run ads through or collect data on customer information, it is in their best interest to extend their ability or lengthen their ability to recognize users. So if somebody comes through, clicks through a native ad or comes through an affiliate link, whatever it might be, and if that user doesn't convert that they sent, that that network sent to your site, if they don't convert for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 days, they still want to recognize, they want to be rewarded and attributed for that conversion that they drove. What's been happening over probably at 10 plus years at this point is you have WebKit, which is the core browser or the core technology that powers Safari. And for most, that's going to be 50, 60, 70% of your traffic because of iPhones with ITP. They've rolled out essentially preventions or protections around trackers. Some of it is needed, necessary to prevent malicious activity from trackers that aren't just trying to focus on conversions and attribution. So some of it is needed and was needed. But what we've learned over the years, the preventions that they're having to put in place, even though they are rightfully trying to target malicious trackers, it does impact trackers that are not trying to be malicious. So what's happened over the years is we are now essentially at a point where I'm just talking in the world of Safari. Someone clicks a link from a known tracker, so a Facebook ad click or a Google ads click, and comes to your site. Safari is automatically setting a 24-hour expiration on cookies from all known trackers. So if you are in the Shopify world, that's going to be Facebook and Google and Klaviyo, etc., if an inbound customer, inbound user to your site does not come from a known tracker, again, they're not coming through one of these hundreds or thousands of domains that is on the known tracker list, then the expiration is set to seven days. So your Facebook cookies, your Google cookies, your Klaviyo cookies, etc. are set to seven days. You've probably seen this in some of the documentation that you've been given by other, whether it's anywhere from Facebook to ShareSale to uh, Tatari. I don't necessarily know the documentation for everyone, but at some point you've probably gotten a PDF or a doc that says, hey, please implement this new tracking mechanism that we have. It gets around the ITP blockers and it's a server-side set cookie. And you, know, you don't need to worry about the 24 or 7-day cookie expiration. Our cookie will last forever, essentially. Where the trackers have started to try to get around that 24-hour or 7-day expiration is first by implementing a CNAME cloaking. So what is cloaking? Cloaking is when you are essentially trying to hide the origination of a cookie. So every tracker that you likely have on your site, they're setting some sort of cookie. And what CNAME cloaking is, and by CNAME, this is just a DNS entry that you'd have to set up as part of your onboarding or implementation for one of these tracking scripts. 
they would try to hide that cookie. So if there's a cookie that needs to be set for any of these tracking providers that I've mentioned, they are trying to essentially hide the origination of that cookie. So a browser won't see, oh, this cookie was set by this third-party marketing tech vendor marketing script. This looks like it was set from the domain, from the primary domain, so your mystore.com. This is the cat and mouse game. When that change rolled out, then WebKit released an update that said, hey, now we're going to essentially block the ability. So we, we know what CNAME cloaking is. We can recognize it. So if we detect that a server-side set cookie is, or a first-party service set cookie is using CNAME cloaking to try to hide the origination, we're going to ignore that. And a cookie is going to have to follow the normal protocol. So it's going to fall back to that 24 seven-day cookie expiration. So then back to the cat and mouse game. So then Tracker said, okay, well, instead of CNAME, we're going to go to A records. So A records or quad A records. And this gets into the world of you have potentially implementations where you would get instructions and they would say, you need to set up these A records or these quad A records and point to this subdomain. And you'd have to go through this DNS setup, which is very similar to what you would do with a server-side Google Tag Manager or a provider that uses Cloudflare and you're using edge workers or trying to get into reverse proxying, et cetera you would have to walk through that same process of configuring your A records or quad A records to point to a subdomain. So this brings us to what we are looking at and what this whole Safari 16.4 is coming to. So now in Safari 16.4, which you may not have it by default, you have to be on the latest version. If you're just on a Mac, you can upgrade your software to the latest version and you should get Safari 16.4. But now this WebKit, so your browser is saying, okay, if we detect CNAME cloaking, we're going to throw out whatever that tracking cookie or tracking script is trying to do. Now they're also looking at server-side set cookies through that A record, so the A or quad A record. And they're going to essentially do the same thing of, okay, if we detect that this cookie that's coming from this domain is matching this protocol, this A or or quad A record protocol, we're going to throw out whatever it's trying to do. And it's going to have to fall back to that 24 or 7 hour or whatever whatever rules that the browser enforces that that cookie has to follow. So to get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of this, let's say you have a store, www.mystore.com. That's your primary domain. It's on Shopify. Your store is hosted on Shopify servers. So your IP address in most Shopify stores are going to have very similar IP addresses because there's a range that Shopify has. It's going to be something like 23.227.38.74. If you have a tracking implementation, so let's say you've either gone through a GTM server-side setup or a Cloudflare implementation where you have a subdomain that's configured, and you have your tracking loading through this subdomain. So essentially, the subdomain is powering some of that data collection. It's going to be a different IP address. So let's say the IP address is 702.19.33.2. What this WebKit is looking at is looking at those two IP addresses. So if they see the primary domain is that Shopify IP address, that 23.227, and they see the IP address that is trying to set these server-side cookies is largely different, then they're going to ignore whatever that cookie is trying to do and enforce that 24 or 7 day expiration. If you want to get really technical, and by the way, there will be a follow-up episode to this with Thomas and John and our team to go through an even deeper dive on this and just, I would say, general state of tracking landscape that'll go through this update and others. But if you want to test, so let's say you have one of these tracking implementations in place, just open your terminal. So if you are using a Mac, open a terminal and just do ping your www.mystore.com and you'll you'll get your IP address returned. 
just do control C to stop the pings. And then if you have a subdomain, so let's say you've configured a subdomain, whether it's GTM server side, a Cloudflare setup, or whatever else you might be doing, or from another MarTech vendor setup, then just do that ping. So let's say your URL is ssapi.mystore.com. Just do ping.ssapi.mystore.com. You'll see the IP address that's returned. Again, do your control C to stop on a Mac. And if those IP addresses are different, then more than likely any cookie or user ID extension or anything that lives in a cookie is trying to extend past that 24 or 7 day period is likely going to fall into these rules and Safari will do that reset. If you want to go to your browser and if you are on Safari 16.4, you can just go through your cookies, just load up your site, open up your JavaScript console, go to, I think it's storage, I can't remember the exact name, but go to where you can actually dig into your, your unique cookies in your Safari browser and just look at the expiration. So if, whether it's uh, cookie ID, so your Klaviyo cookie or your Facebook cookie or your GA cookie or user ID that's in a cookie, whatever it might be, you can go through and if you were hoping that those would not fall into this WebKit Safari 16.4 change, you can see if your workaround is, is working as is expected or more than likely you'll see that's not working. I felt like that was kind of hard to explain through a podcast. At some point, we'll turn this into a blog post, probably not by the time that we post this. But again, we'll have a deeper dive on this topic and others as we go through this change and the impact on tracking in general. To wrap this up, I want to go through the scale of, is this the like a iOS type of changes? Is it going to ruin tracking for all of your channels and your CAC and CPAs are going to go up? In my opinion, no, it's not. This is on a scale of 1 to 10, I don't know, uh, less than 5 level of impact, probably closer to 0 than it is 5. And my reason for that is this varies. So it really depends on what your tracking setup is looking. But in general, the reason why I'm saying closer to 0 than it is a 5, I'm thinking about the landscape of our customers that we work with. Even if they're not on our fully managed server-side tracking and they're using their own server-side GTM, is there a small impact? Yes, where potentially some channels may not be able to recognize the user past you know, a couple of days or a seven-day period. But in general, we see channels, and this is that whole cookieopolis that we've been hearing about for so long. In my opinion, channels need to, and some are, using a more resilient method to steal a term from Thomas on our team. These channels are moving to a more resilient method for user identification and putting that in the hands of you, the merchant. So a very easy example of this is think Facebook. Facebook has an external ID as part of your CAPI integration. And the external ID doesn't have to be a cookie. So even though you want to send your FBP and FPC cookie values with your CAPI hits, there's also an external ID, which is their user identifier. So you can populate that however you want. Let's say you're a headless site and you control all of your cookies from the server. You can have a user ID that never, never essentially expires. Or if you are just on a standard Shopify theme and let's say you are an Elevar fully managed customer using a Shopify user ID, that essentially is not going to expire. Anytime someone comes back to the site, it's essentially going to reset that expiration period for another year. So that external ID is a little bit more of a resilient method for user identification versus just relying on the only way a channel can match a user's activity together is through a cookie. That is degrading. We all know that. So I'll keep that brief. I don't see this as a major impact. I don't think you need to freak out. It's probably, I don't know, the adoption rate of 16.4 yet for Facebook, but likely very low adoption at this point. 
and we will have more updates as we start to see this come through and more users coming through on 16.4 in the impact. But again, I just don't see this as a big deal, especially comparing to iOS. iOS was massive. This probably not as much. So hopefully that will quell some concerns because I realize this is super technical stuff and it's very easy to fall into a trap of, again, if this isn't your world, you're not expected to know this technical details of how tracking and cookies and user IDs and extending user sessions offsite and fingerprinting and everything else that goes into that. Uh, it's easy if you're just in a conversation and, and someone has been told or feels that it's a massive disruption and the CACs are going to triple and all that. It's easy to take that and uh, run with it, but hopefully you uh, can sleep a little bit better at night. More to come on this topic. If you have any questions, reach out to me, shoot me an email or LinkedIn message or Twitter, and I will happily help as best I can. And again, there will be a follow-up episode on this very soon, probably in a couple of weeks with Thomas and John. We will be going even deeper into this topic and many more that surround this. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or a review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar, that's E-L-E-V-A-R, or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.